He is so good. Man, I tell you what, in both services, I didn't want the worship to stop. I would have been happy if we just keep going. So good. He's amazing. I love him, and I'm so humbled that he would allow me to serve him and to be able to be here with you and share his amazing word. It is life-changing. It is powerful. It is what it's all about. It's about him and his glory. So I'm going to start the message today by reading some discipleship verses. I want you to know we always make this statement. It's on all of our stuff. We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help to Jesus Christ our Lord. That's us, right? If you don't know that, that's who we are. And if you're new here, you're welcome. And if you look around and think these people are crazy, we are. And that's why you're here, because God wants to help you understand that you need him as well. And it's okay that we're all different. It's totally fine. That's the way God designs us. But he wants us to come together to be like Christ. So he wants us to begin to resemble one another as we resemble Christ. You'll have your own unique personality, and it's great, and God's gifts to you, and we're all going to be different in a way, but we're going to be the same in some ways, and that's Christ-like. All right, so let's let God be God and let him do his thing among us, okay? So just accept everybody around you as where they are. Some of them may be the baby toe in the body of Christ, and you want to cover them with a sock and a shoe. Relax, let God take care of it. Jesus walked around with sandals where everything like that was open. So let's just let God be God and build the body of Christ that he wants to build here. So as we've identified ourselves many, many years ago at the old campus over on Broadway, if you didn't know, we were over there for many years. We've been uh, in this building coming up on eight years. I can't believe that. It's crazy. Uh, Christmas Eve this year, we would have gotten the keys eight years ago to begin the, the renovation and to becoming this uh, congregation here on this campus. But we used to be over there where Krispy Kreme and uh, a couple other things are there next to uh, Hobby Lobby. It used to be Mervyn's right there. That's where we used to be for many years. God is good. So grateful and humble that he brought us here. But that whole we're not a perfect church, we're not a perfect people thing started over there. As we navigated here and began a journey with God of asking him, what does he want from us? We've already identified who we are and the fact that we need him. And God says, well, I didn't just bring you here just to need me. I put you here because I want you to do something with me and for me. And so in that prayer process, we began to bring all the leadership of the ministries and all the church board and all that staff together. And we began to meet for over a year, asking God to refine his word to us, show us what he wants from us. And what he asked us to do is to radiate the love of Christ, reaching the lost and the saved, restoring them into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, right? So when God asked us to do this, he said, now you know who you are. Now I've given you the mission and the purpose. Now go do it. And so church, what we're going to read today are some scriptures that God used in this process of birthing this uh, vision, ministry statement, whatever you want to call it for us, what he's asking us to be as a church and then what he's asking us to do. And as we read these scriptures, I want you to see what God says to us as a church. So if you are part of the body of Christ, you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe that God has called you to be part of this congregation physically right here called Christian Faith Fellowship, either online or in person, this word is for us to accept as to who we are in Christ and what he wants from us. Okay, so I want to make sure that we understand this as we go forward. So here's the very first thing we read in the scripture in Ephesians 4. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So I want you to understand this is not talking about spiritual gifts where the Holy Spirit gives each of us gifts as he sees fit for the edification of the body of Christ as a whole. That's not what he's speaking of here. That is not being addressed here. What this is, is that Christ gave you a present. And he's given it to the church. 
And what he says is, I'm giving the church this gift. So let's see what he says the gift is. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So the spiritual leaders of the local congregations are a gift from Christ to the church. So stop complaining about all of us, and you can't return us. You're stuck with us, right? It's one of those things where there's no gift receipt. It's all torn up, and it's like, no, you're going to accept this gift. I've gotten a few of those in my day, right, where you just have to receive it. That's what it is. Here we are. You're welcome. Would you say thank you to Jesus right now for your pastors, leaders, and apostles? Yeah, to him. Hey, like, when I candidated here to be your pastor, uh, it's been 17 and a half years ago. It was actually uh, in April Way back when, 2005, I think it was, something like that. Um, when I came in, the very first thing I said from the platform, when I stepped up to the congregation, because they had, I'd been through some online interviews with the board and all that stuff, and came to the congregation over there on Broadway, and I stood up in the platform, and I said, look, I just want you all to know, this isn't about if you like me or not, you're going to vote on me. God says you have to love me, no matter what you think about me. It's the word of God. So what we need to do is put aside our feelings of the person or the whatever we think and love and accept them right now, but we have to get past our emotions to the point that, is this who God wants here? Not do I like him, do I like his person, the way he preaches or talks or does certain things. No, is, is this the person God is appointing to be here? Is this God's gift to us? <laughs> right? So it's like we have to go past that stuff. You have to like look past me right now. I may be a distraction, and you're like, oh, dear God, help me. Well, just close your eyes. I don't care. I'm not offended at that. All right, so we have to look at this and say, God knows what he's doing. So he's placed us here for such a time as this. And we are together because God has called us to be right here, right now, to, to be what God has called us to be as a body of Christ right here at this address, 1900 North Country Club, in this building called Christian Faith Fellowship. Do you understand that you're not here by coincidence? You're not just like showing up and thinking, oh, I think I'll do this today. No, God has called you here, whether it's your first time here or your hundredth. God's saying, I'm doing something, and here's a gift to you, whether you like it or not. Here it is. Here's the gift. We read on. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So see, it's not the pastors and teachers and apostles and all evangelists and all those guys, all those people that served in those roles in the past several decades have screwed this up. And I'm not sure how we did that. Where it's been more about us and not you and asking you to show up on Sunday to be with us while we talk to you about Jesus. But the fact of the matter is the Word of God says the reason we come together is so that in that moment that we share together, we as a body can be equipped to do ministry. Each and every one of you are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have been called by God. You are a minister. Whether you have been ordained by anybody, had hands laid on you or not, none of that matters. God himself has called you to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So right now, what you're doing is you're in God's seminary. And right now, what he's doing is he's trying to equip you in this very moment. That's why we have to take advantage of every opportunity he gives us. We've got to pass. (laughs) Not grading on a curve. There's a standard. 
We're going to find out about that in a minute. And so as we look at this, he's saying the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. That doesn't mean I'm like sitting down in my, my uh, living room over there texting everybody, hey, uh, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this because I don't want to do nothing. <laughs> it's equipping us to do the ministry, God's work. God's people to do God's work. To build up the church. The body of Christ. Okay, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So church, this isn't about comparing ourselves to one another, you comparing yourself to me, me to you, you to one another. He says, this is the way it is. You know those standards that say you have to be this high to ride this ride? The standard God has established is Christ-like. And he's like, this is what we're all going towards and for. And we're supposed to be building each other up, growing in our faith and maturing in our faith so that we all together measure up to the standard of Christ. Not so that I see myself as the standard of Christ and you something else. It's so that we together would build one another up to be the complete standard of Christ. That's a tall order, isn't it? Amen. Church, it's right there in the Word of God. So there's a reason for all this, and it goes on to tell us why. Then we will no longer be immature like children. The church is full of children today, all across the country and the world. There's a lot of immature believers that are all about themselves. I want you to work in the nursery, so this isn't to stop you. But if you've hung around with toddlers, toddlers, they think the world revolves around them. And they think everybody ought to do what they want done, and they want it now. And if you have something they want, they want it, and they think they should have it and not you. There could be 50 other things laying around, but they want the thing you have. This is the picture of the church today. It says, you know, that there's this immaturity, this me, mine, ours, no, mine. And the Word of God is telling us this is about us, not me. So as we mature in Christ, it becomes less about me, more about all, and all about Him. Amen. Yeah, there should be more amens than that. Church, that's God's Word. And he says, we are not to be immature like children. Then we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that awesome? I, I mean, like, when we're going through that, I'm thinking, Lord, you know, this should be the mantra of every Christian church in the world. It's all laid out for us. Are we becoming more like Christ every day? Are we growing and supporting one another? Are we coming together as one, understanding our role as the body of Christ, understanding that it's not about me, it may be for them today, and that that's what God wants? 
That we're here to support one another, encourage one another, help each other grow in the faith. We have a bunch of spoiled kids running around saying like, they don't do anything. They don't meet my needs. They don't feed me over there. I'm going to go over here. When someone comes, if you said this to me, I love you. <laughs> but when someone comes to the church and like, I, you know what? I'm not going to that church anymore. I just don't feel fed there. I'm like, oh, so we're dealing with a baby here. Come here, let me give you your bottle today and let's see if you can make it through the week. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm saying seriously, this is the word of God. He's telling us to grow up. You telling me you can't go to the refrigerator and get out something or make some peanut butter and jelly for yourself? And not being fed over there. Well, what are you doing in your daily Bible time? How's your prayer life? What's God saying to you? Are you supposed to build up the body of Christ or what? Feed me. So everybody's like, feed me, like meet my needs. Here's the list of songs I like and the list of songs I don't like. I want it at this volume, not that volume. The church needs to be at this temperature, not that temperature. Somebody's in my seat. I want to move. I don't like this. Stop making me change. Do you hear that? That's the nursery where the toddlers live. And Jesus is telling us in his words, time for us to stop being like little kids and grow up. Because when we stay like little kids, we'll listen to anybody that tells us what we want to hear. And that way we'll be deceived by false doctrines and teachings that are not biblical. They may throw a verse in here and there, but it's not of God. So when we grow up, we're not going to fall to that garbage. We're going to stand up to the full maturity of Christ and be like, no, this is what God says. Sorry if it offends you. I love you. He loves you. But I love you enough to tell you that's not okay. Yeah, that's God's word. So we're given this direction that the leaders are to equip God's people to do ministry and every believer being a minister of the gospel. And so it's, uh, yeah, we've messed it up, haven't we? Seriously. All right, so a unified body of Christ is to be growing and healthy. God's word says that. So there's this crazy thought going around the church today. And again, I I will say this. I said it in the last service. If you're part of the, mm, if you kind of like look at what's happening in the church and you look at, Man, just stay out of there, okay? Just, I'm just saying, like, there's some stupid things going on out there in the name of the church. And one of the things, you know, in the past, they talked about the church growth movement, where it was about putting everybody in the seat on Sunday morning. Okay, now that's not okay. It's not about how many people are at the church on Sunday morning. But let me say that just because that's not the um, focus or goal, the goal is to have growth, and more and more people coming to Christ, and those who come to Christ look more like Christ all the time, that growth is biblical. But there's this thing going around out there like you're not supposed to have a big church. It's not about gathering together numbers. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's lost people out there. And the Word of God tells us to grow. And the church should be growing and healthy, and healthy things grow. Therefore, the church should be getting bigger and bigger all the time. You don't have to like that or agree with it. I'm just saying, like, everybody says, I like my little group. Well, you can have a small group that you meet with outside this Sunday morning worship service, but the Sunday morning worship service should be growing every, every, all the time, all the time, until we blow the doors off this place, until we're doing five services a weekend, because we need to know that there's other people coming to know Jesus and growing up in that maturity of Christ, right? So we can't get lost in that. It's crazy talk makes me mad. It really does. I get ticked off at it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm from Detroit, as you know. I love hockey. And uh, I'm a, I've always been a Red Wings fan. 
And even when they were the dead wings, I still love them just like I love the lions. They've always been dead. But the, the red wings actually played good for a while. So like when we would go down there, you know, Joe Luce Arena is the old stadium. They have a new one now. But the old arena that um, we went to, actually, I, never mind. I was going to date myself and tell you I went to the other one too, but that was a long time ago and it no longer exists. So we'll just talk about this one. As we were there in Joe Louis Arena and I was looking around me at this day, these people were just going crazy. And you know, um, the Red Wings always sell out their place and they actually, in the uh, bowl area of the, uh, like, you know how they separate the decks and there's walking areas? It got so that they painted a stripe on the, on the floor and it was, literally, I'm not joking, I stood in it. This wide, my big feet didn't even fit inside that little stripe. And they sold those spots too. And so you stood up against the wall like this, and you had a line right there. This is your designated space. You paid as much as a seat too. All right, but they had to have some room for people to walk, but there was standing room only, and they would sell that place out. And I looked around at that congregation of people that were gathered going nuts crazy stuff. I mean, it's awesome. It's a great experience. We're going to have a little taste of it this Friday at the, at the Roadrunners game. Hope you're going. But anyway, we're just going to stay here. I looked around me at that thing and I'm like, oh God, please, Lord, let us. I, I want to experience something like this for you in my lifetime. Where like there's so many people, they were like standing room only. You know what the church growth people tell us? You need to have 30 inches of space for everybody in your church. And you need to plan for having an open seat between people because, you know, we need people to have their space. So we're going to make everybody as comfortable as possible. We don't want to impose on you, the people you're supposed to love and become one with. We want to make sure. And yet, here we are, fans of the Detroit Red Wings playing hockey out there in our designated space like, woo, I'm part of this. I'm serious. And I loved it. I would have stood for every game. And then here we are in the body of Christ, and he's calling us to this, and we're like all about ourselves, our space, our whatever. It's like, we're ty- it's time for us to grow up, church. So here we look at the word of God, and he's, he's talking to us. He says, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So church, are you more like Christ today than you were last Sunday? There's going to be a lot of people at the altar by the sound of that. <laughs> Maybe you weren't ready. I'm going to ask it again. I'm not asking for volume. I'm just asking for a response. Are you more like Christ today than you were last Sunday? See, the Word of God just said you're supposed to be growing more and more like Christ. More and more and more. Keep going. Keep growing. You're not there. Here's the standard. Are you there yet? Okay, I'm going to ask that one again. The standard is Christ. Are you there yet? Therefore, then, we are all to be growing because we are to become this. Okay, I'm just trying to coach us along. There is coffee over there if you need it. All right, so here we go. You ready? Church, can you discern the false teachings of the world that sound good to the ears, but do not measure up to God's word and truth? Can you discern that? See, what it just said in the word of God is that we have to. And the only way we can is if we grow up more like Christ. Because when we're about us, we can be deceived easily. Because I want you to embrace me. I want you to give me what I want. I want to do what I want. That's childlike, right? Like the why? 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 The first word the kid learns is no. 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 Why? Because he's been told no. Because we're always doing the wrong thing. 
And we're told what to do. We say, why? I want, I want a reason. No, God says, here's your standard. Are you there yet? Grow up. All right. Church, have you encouraged and helped a fellow? I, I am asking questions for you to respond to. Should, I should have maybe said that ahead of time. Church, have you encouraged and helped a fellow believer become more like Christ this week? Yes. This week. Yes. Encouragement. Helping them to grow more like Christ. See, then again, it's not about me. It's helping you grow in your faith. It's encouraging you in your walk with God. It's not looking for someone that's not as high as I am in my Christ-likeness. Someone could be more mature than me, but I can still encourage them to be more Christ-like in their lives. Okay, so, so let's just see what God says to us. Church, have you done your part in helping CFF grow and become a healthier church? Yeah, that's what I thought. Like we did the stats last week, and, and the majority of Christians, like over 50%, if you remember, haven't even invited their friends and family to go to church with them. But the Word of God says that we are to be helping the church grow and become healthy. That's why we put those little cards there. They're right there. They got taken away the last service, which is awesome. We have them restored, though. Come join us. Okay, this isn't about, like I said, just so you know, like, our district, like my pastor, the people I answer to, I don't tell them how many people we had here on Sunday, and they don't even ask, and they don't want to know. Don't care. So it's not like I'm trying to meet some quotas so that Pastor Dave can be recognized as a standard. Seriously? That's ridiculous. See, the, the deal is, is that we all have lost friends and family that need Jesus and we want them to become part of the body of Christ. And therefore, when we're having the opportunity to talk about Jesus with them, we can say, you know what? God has changed my life. And I meet with a bunch of misfits over at CFF, and I think you'd fit. You should join us. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, seriously, it can be that easy. We're not trying to be like, oh, yeah, you, mm, I'm not sure if you could fit in over there. Make sure you wear your three-piece suit and tie or they won't let you in. You just go ahead and say that to them. It'll be fun. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so let's, let's focus on this part that God says to us right here in his word, all right? It says this, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the part of the equipping of the church, it's like my responsibility to help you guys to mature and grow in your faith to be like Christ so that as you engage with one another inside and outside of the church, that the whole body is becoming more healthy, growing, and full of love. That's God's word. Do you see that's his call? Do you see how much we have in front of us to do still? And, and that's not being sarcastic. I'm saying, do you see how much of a need there is for this to happen in the church? Right here in this church. I'm not talking about those down the road. Talk about us. Being the church of Jesus Christ that he's called us to live, that we are encouraging, helping them to grow, us as a church becoming healthier. So I was like, Lord, what does it mean to be a healthy church? Well, we know what it's like to be sick. I mean, there's some people today that said, well, I can't come, I'm sick. When you're sick, you feel like garbage all over, right? You're like coughing, you can't breathe right, you can't think right, your head's congested, things are going on. And you don't feel right. We'll see if the, if the body of Christ, the church, Jesus Christ, right here, CFF, if we're sick, nobody wants to come and be with us. 
I want you to stay away. I don't want to be around you. I have so many people that come up to me and hug me and like, I've been sick all week, Pastor. (laughs) You guys are my immunization. It's totally fine. I don't care. I'll hug you anytime, seriously. But it's funny how many times that's happened in my life, you know, or they're shaking my hand, telling me all the symptoms they've had, and I'm like, I'm not your doctor. (laughs) But anyway, let's just go on. All right, so here it is. Health. What does it mean to be a healthy church? What does that look like? I'm like, Lord, I want to have a healthy church. I want to be part of a healthy church. I want to experience what that means for everybody to be helping each other grow instead of everybody talking about everybody else. Not that that's happening here. It doesn't happen here. We're the perfect church. So we're looking at what God actually says. So as I thought about that statement, I'm thinking like, you know, what would Jesus say is a healthy church, and what would he actually say to us if he was writing us a letter? CFF, CFF, I'm writing you a letter. I'm sending this to you. This is how I see you. Just let that sink in for, a thing, for just a second, because, see, Jesus did this. And it's in the book of Revelation. And as I was processing this through and preparing for this message, I was thinking about, like, God... You know, what would you say? And then I'm like, wow, he did say something to churches, and he did it at the beginning of the book of Revelation. So first, I want to point out to you that the opening of the book of Revelation, which is the celebration of the triumph of Jesus Christ and the final celebration of the victory of God, it's not a thing of scariness. It's God saying, I'm it, and I'm doing it, and there's nothing anybody can do. I'm going to win. You guys stay with me because we're going to win this thing. That's what he's telling us, right? But at the beginning of that book, he he writes a letter to the church. So he's preparing the church for the coming. Think about it. It's pretty cool, really, when you you look at that, because I never really processed that through. Like, well, hey, church, here's, I want to talk to you about this, because this is what's going down. So as we look at that, I was like, well, I can tell you right now, I've been a pastor for 30-some years. I don't know the exact math. I'm not going to figure it out. Um, that's not funny. <laughs> I started when I was just a little boy. Uh, but I've been a pastor for a long time now. And I, I was processing this through and thinking about it. And I was like, wow, God, it's pretty amazing that I never preached about this aspect of what you said. So I'm not going to bring some new revelation to you. I don't want you to think that. I don't have some new interpretation of the letters to the churches. But the truth of the matter is, in the context of which God's speaking to me and to us today, I've never preached it in this manner. So we all know that five of the seven churches were called by Jesus to repent, which is pretty crazy in and of itself. So when you think about John, the apostle, writing this letter, he's the one that had the vision. He's the beloved. He's the one that wrote the gospel of John. He's the same author that wrote Revelation. Now, John, the apostle, according to church tradition and history, he wrote the book of Revelation around 95 to 98 A.D., I just want you to think about this because Jesus, we know, died and was crucified around 33 AD, right? So we're talking about within 60 years of the death and actual resurrection of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation is written to the churches. Now let's go past that for a second and think about the day and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 50 days till Pentecost, Pentecost falls, the church is being born, it's spreading out, churches are being established all through the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul giving his life and service in the missionary journeys, 
Now, some of these churches that Jesus is writing to are less than 30 years old. Just let that sink in. They're less than 30 years old. Most of these churches. This church itself is over 60 years old, our church, in its formation. So we're really talking about churches that are, um, if you were going to go back into the church growth process and the analyzation of churches, these churches should be still on their incline before they're plateauing in their life expectancy of 60 years to death, which is an actual cycle that happens unless God revives the church. So now, as you consider that now, and you think about it, as God says to these churches, five of the seven, you need to repent. There's a need for a revival in the church, not in the world. Revival's not for the world, it's for the church. To revive us, oh God, that we might be who you want us to be. So this call to repentance is there. But then I looked, and I'm like, Lord, I've not really looked at this, but you had some good things to say, even to the churches that he called to repent. So today in this message, all we're going to look at is the good things he said to the churches because there was good things happening at the same time there was a need for repentance. So let's check it out here because we're going to start with the book of Ephesus. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the church of Ephesus. And if you look at the book of Ephesians, which is that church, when Paul started that ministry over there and God was working in them and you read Ephesians, you'll know that that church itself was known for its love for one another. It was known for that. God was doing great things there. Now here we are some 30 years later, and Jesus is writing a little note like, hey y'all, I got something to tell you about. And here it is. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. Remember a little while ago we were reading about that discernment thing? You have discovered that they are liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. Those are the good things. The thing they had to repent about was that they had lost their first love. The love had grown cold in them. But they were still doing some good stuff for the kingdom. They were still a church. And as they look at that and what Jesus says to them, he's like, you guys are working hard and you are, have patient endurance. You're persevering. Good job. You don't tolerate evil. You can discern wrong teaching. He's saying, good job. You see false teachers for who they are. Good job. You've been faithfully serving me even while you're suffering. Okay, so this is the church that needed to repent of that love aspect that he's saying all these good things about. Okay, let's step up to the church of Smyrna. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who oppose you, and they say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you a crown of life. So here we're looking at this church, and obviously this is one of them that didn't need to repent. They were already going through stuff. They were suffering a lack of material things. They were poor. They didn't have stuff. Jesus said so. I know you're poor. I see it. He didn't say, I'm going to bless you and give you riches, did he? He said, you will have that in eternity. I see that you're poor. He never said, I'm going to change that for you. 
I see that you've been accused falsely by others. You've been enduring through persecution. You've been persevering. Good job. Okay, church, now we're going to Pergamum. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, this is Jesus writing the church. He's like, I know where you are. I know what is going on around you. I know the evil that's there. You talk about a dark place. Jesus is saying that's where Satan has his throne. Where you are right now is where Satan sits on the throne. You're in the midst of the battle. So Jesus is telling the church this. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. What an awesome thing right here, you know? Like in the darkest of times, spiritually dark, no hope, no help, no nothing going on out there. It's all evil. He's like, you've remained faithful to me. Even when people were being killed for their faith, you've been, you've been faithful to me. You've been living faithful in an unholy place. You've been staying true, even facing death for your faith. Good job. The church of Thyatira. I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. That's awesome, isn't it? But I also see a message... I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching, which is deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have have until I come. So Jesus says to this church, like, you are growing in your love, your faith, your servants, your patient endurance, you're doing all this stuff, you're persevering, you're growing in all these areas, just keep growing like that, just hold on to that, nothing more. I'm not asking you to do anything else. This is Jesus saying it. He's like, you've got it. You're doing it. Keep it up. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Church of Sardis. There are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. Stay away from evil, church. He's like, there's some of you there. See, this was a problem, church. There was evil in the church right there. In that church. And Jesus said, some of you there that are in that church, you haven't let that evil touch you, mess you up in any way. Stay away from that evil. All right, so now the church of Philadelphia. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Perseverance. Again, he's talking to us about endurance and perseverance, church. There's this common theme throughout each and every one of these things. Keep going. Keep going. Endure. Persevere. Keep after it. Grow in love. Grow in strength. Go in your knowledge of me. Grow in serving And then the final church, the church of Laodicea. Probably the most well-known church of all the churches in Revelation, the church of Laodicea. Why? Why do we know them? Lukewarm. Do you know that Jesus had nothing good to say about them? 
This is the only church Jesus had nothing good to say about. Let that sink in and think about it. Do you know what this church was? It was the church that had all their materials needs met. They were comfortable where they are, and they were lukewarm. They weren't like hot for God. They weren't cold against him. They were just like, eh, they go to church today. Eh, didn't really like those songs. Eh, they go to work tomorrow. Lukewarm. Nothing good to say about that church. I mean, I don't want to get way off on this, but I, I think that a lot of churches in the United States fit into this category right now. We're just kind of like there. Looking at what God's saying to us, he's like, man, what is the deal? Jesus has already written a letter to the church, and he's like, this is what I'm looking at. This is what you need. This is what needs to happen. And so he's given us like this list, and as we look at the things Jesus said to the church, for a good and healthy church, believer, us, for us to be healthy, growing the way God has called us to grow, we've got to be patient in endurance. We've got to persevere. Through whatever we face, church, we've got to persevere. Whatever we face. It's right there in the Word of God. He's over and over again. It's, it is the number one thing Jesus said to the churches. <laughs> well, obviously... The struggle with perseverance in uh, allowing outside factors to affect our walk with him is pretty strong and common. And so as we're looking at what he's saying, he's like, man, you need to discern truth and stand in it no matter what. He's telling the church, just like we read over there in Ephesians, that whole thing about maturing and growing up into Christ, like we see it echoed right here in Jesus' own letter to the churches as a whole. Church, you got to grow up. You got to be strong. You got to grow in your love, your faith, and your service, and be strong in your perseverance. And you need to be strong in, in persecution and hardship, whatever's coming. Be strong with or without material wealth. It's all there. Live the truth, even in an unholy environment. Stay away from evil. Lukewarm is death. These are the things Jesus said to the church. So if we're going to be a healthy church, if we're going to be a healthy Christian, we need to take this to heart and understand that I need to be growing and become more like Christ every day, and I need to persevere through everything. I've got to deal with whatever comes my way with the heart of Christ. I need to love the people that are unlovable. I need to encourage other people to grow in their faith. I need to serve. This is all in God's word, man. It's what we're called to. So now I'm going to flip over to Peter again. We started the service in 1 Peter. And the letter to the persecuted church that's been, you know, driven from their home. They lost everything. And then we look here, and by the way, the persecution started by the church. The, the main church of the nation is the one that started the persecution against the church of Jesus Christ. And then the government followed that persecution. The first step is the church rejecting who Jesus is. The second part is the government embracing that truth and persecuting those who say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Just think about it. But that's God's word. So now, as he writes a second letter to these same people, listen to what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need 
for living a godly life. What an amazingly convicting, powerful statement right there. We have no excuse, church. No excuse. No buts, no ifs. Yeah, but he knows me, my personality, my traits, my family, these issues, where I live, where I work. Nope. God's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Are you a born-again Christian? See, God has called you through Jesus Christ. And through that relationship that he has birthed in us because of what he's done for us, we have everything we need to live a godly life. That's what he just told us. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Godly living, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Okay, church, I'm not reading any further for a second because we're pausing here to see we would all agree that we're not saved by anything we do except our surrender and acceptance of Jesus Christ, right? Not by works. We're not saved by the good things we've done or any of that. We're saved by the amazing grace of God who loved us and gave himself for us and called us to himself. All right? So we're talking to people that have received that. That's who this letter's written to. So if you're a born-again Christian, it's saying to us that are the redeemed of Christ, we have been given everything we need to live a godly life. God has provided that through this relationship. And he has given us incredible promises that we need to respond to. All right, so please hear this. Now, the focus comes back on our response to what God has provided. Agreed? That's what it says. I'm not, I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to agree with what the Word of God says. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. This comes to me engaging what God says. All right? Y'all get that, right? Because I don't want to keep talking about it. I will if we don't get it yet, but all right. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. You already have faith, right? So now supplement that. You've got to respond to God by you having moral excellence. God's already provided it. Remember? Now you have to respond to it. You've got to step into moral excellence. That means no pornography. That means no corrupt talking. That means no gossiping. That means no backstabbing to anybody that even deserves to be stabbed and slain. Church, it's saying this, man. Moral excellence. Step into it, church. And he says, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. There's only a comma there. So now you're not only supplementing your faith with generous provision of moral excellence, but moral excellence, please add some knowledge to this. 
He's like, would you get smarter about what God says, who he is, and what he's done for us? Would you grow in your understanding? Church, that requires me to look into the word of God, to know what he's saying to me, to know what he's talking about, what that life means, what power is available, to grow in the knowledge and understanding of Christ so that we can give an answer to anyone that asks the question about Jesus. I know him. Do you know him? You say you're saved by him. Do you know him? He says, then grow in your knowledge of him. Expand it in who he is. We're not done. Still another comma. This is the one that kicks us, everyone. Now, after you've already done these other things, moral excellence, knowledge, and all, now please add some self-control. And... I, I want to hear this because in knowledge with self-control. And, and it seems like this is one of the ones that we have the hardest times with, self-control. But see, self is the problem. That's why self needs to die. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Self-control comes through surrender of self. And realizing it's not about me. Growing up out of childlike self is recognizing that I want you to have this toy. I want you to experience the joy this brings. I don't want the joy for me. I want you to experience it yourself. Self-control. So it's their road too. Just turn the page a little bit there. You know when we're driving through town and we have no self-control? It's their road too. They can drive however they want. You have no control of that. You can talk, lecture, yell, scream, do whatever you want, but you can't control what they're doing. Can you? Self-control. Letting go. He's not done with that yet. So we're going to move on because we're going to talk about that. It's like, and, and with self-control... With patient endurance. So isn't that crazy how that follows behind the self-control thing, patient endurance? That's why you're stuck behind the slowest person in traffic. And you can't escape. God's like, let's see how long they can last here and stay like Jesus in the moment. All right, so there we are. And we're like, everybody's going by and we're stuck right there probably doing the speed limit, and we, it's driving us crazy. Patient endurance. So, you know, all of us go through stuff. I mean, we all do, you know. We have to endure some things and be, uh, but the patient part of it. So I'm fine with having to endure. I'm just not patient about it. I'm like, I'm like Lord, you know what? I, I'm, I praise you in the midst of this battle. That's great, you know, but it can go now. You know, like now, in the name of Jesus, would you agree with me? I need two or three of us to agree together that this is going to leave now because he, I'm just trying to use his word to get him to move because I need to end the need for endurance. But he's like, patient endurance. This is why we continuously get checked on areas we're not real good at. See, if we need some self-control, God's going to get us into places that drive us crazy 
so that we can learn to develop our self-control. We obviously need to learn patient endurance here in this town. It's like a whole city of that. Because when I moved here, it's like I feel like everything in Tucson moved in slow motion. I was so not used to that. In Detroit, I mean, it's like you move, man, or you're getting run over. You know, I mean, in everything in life. I'm talking about everything. And when I came here, everybody's like, manana, manana. I'm like, what is going on here? I'm going nuts. Patient endurance. I'm like, well, this is the city of patient endurance. Don't forget that. It is. This is a culture of patient endurance. I'm still learning. 17 years later, I'm still learning that. But it's true. And so I warn everybody that moves here. I've warned all my nieces and nephews. Like, I just want you to know everything moves slow in Tucson. They may give you a promotion, but that may not come for six, eight months, or a year. <laughs> it's just the way it is. I mean, when we, I, yeah, I'm going to get off on this, but I'll be fast. My, my wife went for an interview for a job, like, talk about years ago, you know? And they're like, okay, you know, we're going to call you. We want you. You're going to have the job. So we go home, and it's like a week, two weeks. She's like, what is going on? Like, so she calls him up and like, um, like, I just want to be clear. Do I have that job? Oh, yeah, we're going to hire you. Like, okay, like, good to know. Do we have a plan for that? We'll get back in touch with you. I mean, that was like, oh, my goodness, man. It's like, yeah, you kidding me? If you didn't show up the next day in Detroit, somebody else had your job. You know what I mean? So it's like, what is going on here? But we'll leave that alone now. Self-control, patient endurance. And with patient endurance, godliness. You know you're supposed to be godly. We can't be godly if we're not engaging all these things God's talking to us about. What's your problem? That's not really godly, is it? <laughs> Get out of my way, idiot. In other words, godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. Like, oh, okay, well, I can love the people that I love. That's no problem. I can love the people I like, and I'll sit by them and stay away from everyone else. So, like, I can cover this one. Well, it's not done there. If you notice, there's a comma. And brotherly love with a love for everyone. Oh, man. It's not just the people I like. It's everyone. Yes, that person driving 34 to 35 miles an hour that's keeping you where you are, love them. Love them. God's got you there, and he's laughing. I know he is. I know he's laughing. I, I believe that. I really do. I, I know he laughs at me sometimes, like, yeah, check this out. <laughs> it's like, okay, Lord, you know, he's, he's giving us these opportunities to mature and become Christ-like. That's the deal, right? So as we look at what he's saying, he's like, Our, here's this list of stuff that you and I need to engage God's promises by growing into. Are we hurting in any of those areas yet? See, now listen to what it says. Now we're not done. This is what happens. We step into the next section. The very next verse says this. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to be more Christ-like when you do that stuff. And then you're going to be useful to him. You can actually do stuff for the kingdom of God that will matter. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed from their old sins. 
He's like, if you're not growing like this, you have no vision and you're dying. And you don't even realize what God has done for you because he's taken you from that old self, that dead, miserable wretch you were, and he's given you his life. Like, man, we need to step into that, don't we? So it's not like, hey, try harder this week. Yay. No. He's like, step into it. Grow up. Embrace what God has provided. Grow into maturity. Stop thinking about yourself all the time. So we go back to that, and it's like God's given us everything we need to live a godly life. There are no excuses. So he gives this list, church, and as I look at that list, I'm like, God, we need you so desperately to do something in us. We need to mature and become the church, the Christian that Jesus died to make us. We do, us, right here, Christian Faith Fellowship, you and I, we need to engage these things that God has said. If we're going to become that church, if we're going to actually live the faith, if we're going to become what God said we can become, it's only going to happen when I personally own it. Step into these promises of God and grow in these areas. Not being immature, not being selfish, being what Christ died to make us. Here's your action steps. Is Jesus Christ your personal Savior? I want you to say it out loud. Yes. Are you living a new life? Yes. So all these are going to require a verbal answer. Are you growing in your love, your faith, and your service for the kingdom? Are you enduring, persevering all through whatever you're facing? Yes. I think my ears deceive me, maybe, but I thought I heard a drop off. Are you maturing in your faith, adding moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patience, endurance, godliness for everyone? I know my ears didn't deceive me there. Okay, so there it is, right? This isn't like, well, try harder now. Thanks for being here. Yeah, you did a good effort, right? No, he's saying, church, it's time for us to step into everything God's provided. Therefore, we can't just like say, well, church is over. Finally escape that and go on your way. I mean, you can. But God's saying that there's something more that he's provided for us. Should we embrace that today? So let's embrace it by repenting like the churches he said you're doing good in these areas, but there's still a need for repentance. If you have an area that you need to repent in, please do that before you leave. If you're doing great, keep doing it. Keep going. Keep growing. Encourage others to do it. But the altar's open. So would you stand with me? Look, it, he's there, man. He's here. Would you embrace him right now? If he's calling you, please hear his call. Respond to him this morning. Right now. <laughs> God, we have sung some amazing songs in celebration of you today, saying about the authority you've given us, the victory you have, who you are, the fact that you are the lion of the tribe of Judah, that you will roar over this entire world, all of creation. And everyone will acknowledge you. You've created all things, including us. And you've provided us with everything we need. 
There is no excuse. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thanks for reaching out to us. Thank you for helping us to grow, mature. Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to reflect you in the world. We want people to see godliness when they see us so that they can know you, not us. For you are what we need. As we see the elections coming this week, help us to recognize our responsibility to do that, but also the fact that it's not our redemption, it's you. We as a nation need you, God. I pray that you would have mercy on us. We do not deserve your mercy. God, have mercy on us. We're so grateful for what you do, what you've provided, who you are, and what we can become in you. Let us become that church. We love you. It's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Please respect those that are praying. Those of you that are praying, stay as long as you need to. God bless you. Thank you so much for being in God's house with us today. We love you. God bless you today.